Oh, I haven't said that in a while. Record a video. Good morning. Today is, oh gosh, what, the 24th of February, I suppose. It's about 38 degrees out here, which sounds pretty cold, but honestly, it's one of the nicest days we've had in a very long time. So, the big news on this thing is, why has it been such a long time? Heck, Nathan's been up online doing his morning walks and he's in Colorado. I'm in the Northeast, how can this possibly be a problem? And the answer is this whole snowmageddon thing, the whole terrible weather that we've been having where it teases us by giving us a day or so of near wonderful weather. Not enough to actually remove the ice from the ground, but enough to make you feel like, oh, I should go outside and do something. And then it hits you with more storms. Honestly, several times I got up and went on my walk and then had to turn around to come back because I would slip over and over again. I'm out with Miss Ripley this morning. Feels good. Feels good to be out and walking again. So, so yeah, several times I would go outside, I'd start, uh, start my walk, and you know, the first slip, you go like, okay, well, I got that out of the way. <laughs> slip didn't fall, I'm doing good. Second slip, you're going like, okay, this is getting creepy, we need to watch this. And third one, you go, okay, I'm going home. So, did that several days. Today, today it is blissfully free of ice. And it is lovely. So, brings us to our second update. What about the writing? How's the writing going, Brand? And I will tell you, not great. We are at, I want to say 68,000 words. And you know what? We're at the end of February, and I've got 68,000 words. That's not bad. If you didn't account for the fact that, you know, haven't done anything in the last two months, that's actually pretty decent. But yeah, well, I've done a little. But yeah, the last two months have been pretty much a wash. Now on the plus side, you know, we got 10 months left, average of 30 days. Uh, if we did a thousand words every day, that'd be 300,000 words. So that's three books in addition to the 70K that I'm already at. So 370,000 words. Yay. And we know we're not going to get all those anyway. So technically, I'm still on track to get three books this year. Thing is, the only reason I'm on track that way is because I spent two months last year getting to this point. So that's kind of cheating. But you know what? I'll take it. I don't care. I was down and now I am back. And uh, so yeah, I do, I do want to explain why. Why with the writing and everything. 
So, it's like one of the worst kept secrets in my family that we have this basic depressive disorder. And I'm sorry if I'm going to get a little TMI. I don't think it's going to be. It's not like physical graphic stuff. It's just mental stuff. So it should be okay. So yeah, my family has depression issues. My mother would go from bouncing around the house happy as a lark to crying jags. Hey, bring your lab. Morning. Which reminds me of a joke I heard the other day. What do you call a uh, big dog who does magic tricks? It's a labracadabrador. Huh? Anyway. Alright, so. Uh, depression. Depression issues. So my mother, she would be happy as anything. And then, crying jags. My brother was the type who would throw temper tantrums. Still does. He'd just get angry, flip out, and punch a fist through the wall. So, I wasn't stupid. I could see this is what was going on. So, even as a child, I said, all right, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be like that. I'm going to find a way around it. So, what I did was I chose some role models. I know how my family acted, but I knew how I wanted to act, which was different. I chose uh, James Bond and Mr. Spock from Star Trek. And if that sounds geeky, remember that I was about 10 or 11 years old at the time. So yeah, a little geeky. Anyway, so I did the fake it till you make it kind of thing to deal with depression. I got to where I could tell if I was getting really upset. I could like step outside of myself, see it for what it was, and then say, you know what, I'm not... I'm not seeing this rationally. I need to step back. I need to act nicer than I feel. Because right now, I'm not treating people fairly. Which is a tough thing to do. It's hard to pull yourself out of those situations. Anyway. So, uh, that's how I grew up. I, I grew up with realizing that I had those problems and then dealing with them by distancing myself, by realizing that I can't always trust the way I feel about stuff, that kind of thing. And it's worked for a long time. Now, my personal flavor of depression was a bipolar situation, which means that I got highs and I got lows. And I used to say, best thing about being bipolar is the highs. Because man, when you are on, it is the most amazing feeling in the world. I used to be able to just write code all night with nothing but inspiration, 
like Mountain Dew. So, uh, anyway, the highs were awesome. The lows, obviously, were not. And so, uh, you see it kind of as a trade-off. All right, I feel rotten right now, but I know I'm gonna feel better later on, and it's worth it, because the highs are so awesome. Now you don't care about the lows being so not awesome. And so, that was the way I lived for a long, long time. Oh, long time. Then, as I got older, I noticed that it changed. Come on, puppy. The uh, lows seem to be getting lower, and the highs seem to be going away. Now, it's worth noting, none of this has ever had anything to do with the writing, because when I say recently, I'm talking about like the last 10 years. So, this has been slowly happening over a decade. And I haven't even been writing for a decade, so. So when I'm talking about this change, this has been going on for a long, long time. But like I said, it got worse. The lows got lower, the highs were going away, and it became a difficult way to live. They say that drug addicts start taking the drugs not so they can feel high, but just so they can feel normal. And I kind of reached that point where the highs were just normal. Morning. Where the highs were just normal and the lows were far more frequent. So, anyway, so what do you do, you know? Uh, Allie had been uh, going to see this guy about her PTSD and her problems growing up, and uh, she said this guy was really great. So I finally decided to go and see him. And uh, I know I'd seen some really great improvement in Allie. She is feeling great. She is doing a whole lot better, you know, coping with issues, that kind of thing. So I figured it couldn't hurt. I mean, I was dealing with my problems pretty well, but couldn't help. I mean, couldn't hurt to get a little help. So, I go and see this guy, and it was creepy how quickly he figured out what my deal was, uh, how I had coped with it, uh, how to deal with it. I mean, I saw him for maybe an hour, and within a few minutes, he was telling me the symptoms that I was dealing with. I wasn't even telling him you know, here's how I deal with it, that kind of thing. He started telling me about the, so you do fake it until you make it, all that kind of stuff. He was guessing at all of this, and he was right. 
So I was very impressed. And then it's it's kind of like you go to see a psychic, you know, and they're doing a cold read and they get stuff that they couldn't get. So me, I automatically think of it that way and I, you know, started to suspect him. I was a bit suspicious. And I told him I was suspicious. It got worse because he started making uh, he started making comments about my character that didn't make any sense to me at all. Specifically, he seemed to think I was like the next Steve Jobs. And I know that ain't true. But he started talking about outliers. And I'll admit, I know enough statistics to say being an outlier is not a good thing. But uh, he was using it in a different, a different way. He said, no, 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 I'm not saying outliers like statistical outliers. We don't know how to deal with them. I know how to treat you. No, I mean statistical outliers. I mean, not statistical, but um, outliers in the Malcolm Gladwell sense. And honestly, I didn't even know what that meant. I haven't read that book. But basically what he's saying is there are some people who, because of their background, genetic soup, whatever, are predisposed to uh, success, great success. And he said that based on the creativity that he saw in me and, I don't know, mental... mental strength, all that kind of stuff. He said that he believed I could be one of those outliers. That if I didn't have this kind of depression holding me back, I could be one of those really great inventors or something. So the first thing I told him was, you're telling me everything I want to hear and that makes me not trust you. Which I still think is a valid point. But, uh, but he basically laughed and shrugged it off and said, like, look, all right, put yourself in my shoes. Pretend you're me. You got years of experience and practice. You've got the degrees on the wall. You've got all that kind of stuff. And now you're saying, I mean, after all that, you got a patient, you truly do believe this is the situation, and you know that that patient is suspicious, has paranoid issues as well. So how do you deal with that? How do you convince him? And I had to admit that's a good point. If, if somebody flat out can't believe hearing good things. There's no way to craft a message that'll make them believe it. Not if they're smart. So, that was a problem. Anyway, he basically said that uh, because when I was in my highs, it was a productive high. You know, I wasn't, like, hurting anybody or anything. Because it was a productive high. And because 
the lows are fairly low as well. What he thought was that I wasn't cycling between highs and lows. I was cycling between my normal self and lows. Like, it wasn't high, middle, low. It was middle, low, and lower. So, anyway, he gave me something to help even that out. And uh, so I started in on that. And it's cool. It is really nice because it's a very subtle difference. You know, blink and you'll miss it kind of thing. But at the same time, I do feel better. Not crazy better, like bouncing off the walls. I haven't hit one of those highs like I did when I was a kid. But at the same time, I don't sit in front of the computer and just stare at it, feeling like I'm a failure, this is never gonna work. You know, you hear writers do that a lot. And I have always done that when I sat down. It's just like, I am wasting people's time. But let's give it a shot. So, for the first time in a while, when I sit down, I feel different. Now, here's something interesting. My writing has changed. Not kidding. Uh, since I started taking meds, uh, I actually wrote weather into a scene, which I've never done before. I mean, okay, obviously in Tumblr you're not going to have weather, because it's in space. But, uh, but yeah, I, uh, in all the Hidden Institute stuff, I have never shown the weather before. And so now, for the first time, I'm actually writing it in. And I swear, it made the story so much better. Chicks and geese and ducks better scurry when we come over to take our picture in a surrey. Alright, puppy sit. Stay. Good girl. Ripley's a good dog. Ripley, sit. What a good puppy. Okay. All right. So we got our picture. Anyway. So, uh... So yeah, for the first time ever, in the middle of the book, I started writing in weather. And I know that's one of those... Oh, who was it? Elmore Leonard says, never start your book with the weather. And yeah, it's a good point. But I never had weather anywhere in there. I had it only when it was a plot device. Like, there's one point where my protagonist is hanging from a weather vane and 
Well, yeah, obviously I'm going to make it rain. Obviously I'm going to make it thunder. That's just making it creepy for him. But, uh, yeah, so, oh man, I just got the low battery warning. Ever since I updated the uh, system, had to do a factory reset, I lost all my side-loaded apps, so I can't shut off the uh, Wi-Fi or Bluetooth. And shutting off the Wi-Fi or Bluetooth is what gives me all my extra juice. So, looks like this video's, well, we're at 20 minutes already. Maybe able to get to 30. I hope, because 30 was my goal. Anyway, um, where was I? Oh, my writing. I swear it's better. Um, it's more dramatic, but not in a kind of maudlin sense. I'm doing a better job of subtly showing the uh, character's interests without actually saying anything. At the same time, it's still pulling teeth. It's still, oh man, I don't want to write. I don't want to sit down and write for an hour, kind of thing. So, I gotta get back into a pattern. I gotta break out the ride or die. And this walk, this morning walk, this is the start. Here we go. New week, new year, all that kind of stuff. Because we did fall behind. But the beautiful thing is, we didn't stay down. So, yeah, things are looking up. And like I said, if I write a thousand words every day, still got nearly 400,000 words by the end of the year, and I don't even need 400,000 words by the end of the year, I only need about, what was it, 27,000, uh, 270,000. Three books at about 90,000 a piece. Which reminds me, I finally got a uh, word count goal on uh, the Cut Purse King. I need to find a better title for that. I'd kind of like to use a tramp abroad, but <laughs> I don't want to start making references to great works from other people. It works if you're doing that from the beginning. Nathan's conceit about having the first line of each book taken from a different great book, that's good. But, uh, but it's not something you jump into in the middle of a series. Which is a shame, because A Tramp Abroad would make a great title for the book. So I gotta find a different one. I don't really like the Cut Purse King. I think I can do better. Thought about sticking with the Latin, you know, like in Vita Rex, 
But again, that's kind of starting a uh, commonality among the titles. The way Grisham does. I've noticed a lot of writers do that now. I'm not sure I like that idea. There's a writer, what, Robin Cook, I think, makes every title one word, black cover with maybe one object on it. I mean, you take something like... No, actually, this is a good example. Nathan Lowell's book. His books, the uh, Ishmael Wong series, you've got quarter share, half share, full share, double share, captain share, and owner share. I possibly lost, missed one in there. So, let me ask you, which of those did he learn about scraping up the uh, mold? Which one of those did he go to his first fashion purchase with uh, Senor something or other? Which one did he deal with an entire ship that shut down because of a computer problem? I know all of those things happened. And I can probably piece together what order they happened. But there's no way I can get that from the title. All I know is his rank at the time from the title. And I have to piece together everything else. I can assume that he went to uh, the academy before, I guess, double share. So that separates the story. But in order to figure out what's, uh, what happened at what places, I have to, you know, back compile his titles. And that seems like a wasted opportunity. When you read the Hidden Institute, you know, hey, that's about the Hidden Institute. You know, it's, it's about Cliffy and it's about him growing up in the Hidden Institute. In Vito Rex? Okay. That's a bit more obscure. But if it stands out as a different title from everything else, then you remember, this is the first one about Dizzy. This is the one where Dizzy was king for a week. That kind of thing. King who would be man. Uh, anyway, so yeah, I want to make the titles descriptive and compelling. I want to make them something where you can look at it and go like, I know which one that is. For instance, I can tell you which one of the Hitchhiker series is the one with the cricket bat. That's life, the universe, and everything. I can tell you which one was... Well, the restaurant at the end of the universe. That was in the restaurant at the end of the universe. 
And there may be some odd little, I'm not sure where that happened, like Arthur runs into Thor and asks him to step outside. Where does that happen? Uh, I don't know. All right, actually, I do know that was in Life of the Universe and everything, but the point is, the titles are different enough from each other that I can remember different stories happened in them. And when you've got a whole bunch of horror novels that have just one name, just one word to them, and you do every single one with just one word, it seems to me that would be a problem. Well, we're at 29 minutes, so yay. Battery lasted longer than I'd really expected. By the way, if any of you guys have a suggestion for a title for the Noblesse Bleach series, even though I realize nobody's read it, send me an email. You never know. That may be the title I've been looking for. First walk after a long time. I am going to be sore tonight. But that's okay. Coming up on the house now, I'm thinking of all the things that I wanted to talk about, like Hugh Howery's stats and stuff like that. And of course, can't start talking about them because we're nearly at the door. So let's just pretend I said something really clever and erudite about self-publishing and all that stuff. Yeah, I really can't think of anything short. So, all right, here we are at the door. I will talk to you guys hopefully tomorrow.